Several months ago, God laid this message on my heart, but as always, it's in whose timing? His timing. Always in God's timing, and it's perfect timing as we look forward to 2008. And to provide a little backdrop today, the book of Ephesians is written by Paul, the Apostle Paul, while he was under house arrest in Rome around 60 A.D., somewhere 60, 62 A.D. And Paul was free to talk, but he wasn't free to go. That's why he wrote letters, okay? And he wrote letters, we know, to uh, Philemon and the Colossians, the Philippians, and then the, these Christian, uh, Gentile Christians, I should say, in the city of Ephesus in Asia Minor. And Ephesus was a wicked city. It was known for prostitution, for idolatry, and one of the seven wonders of the world. I don't know if you know what that is or not. It's a huge temple. Uh, it was actually an uh, idol goddess. Does that ring any bells? Her name was Diana, and that's one of the great wonders of the world. And the disciples at Ephesus were not set apart for Diana. They were set apart, and that's what sanctified means, be set apart for what? God's service. So Paul was writing a letter to them to encourage them. And he begins chapter 4 talking about preserving the unity of faith. And let me, if I can get us. Okay, there we go. So he talks, if you see here, he begins, and listen, listen to the words he says there. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you will walk what? Worthy of vocation, meaning Christianity, wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering and forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. That's, you know, that's, that's a pretty good self-assessment for us as a church. Do we fit that mold? Do we fit that mold? You know, um, are we humble, gentle, patient, forgiving one another? Is our priority in life as a church to preserve the unity of the Holy Spirit? It should be. It's a great, great. I mean, tool for us as a church to look at that, and uh, and it should be a priority for us to do that. You know, one email was sent to another church, not this church, struck me. I read that and I thought, man, that's really interesting. And this is from a lady who said, this is her quote, It has been 15 years since I attended a church on a regular basis. I recently visited a couple of churches, but have left each time crying, feeling the same rejection that I felt years ago by members of the church I left. When I go into a church now, fear grips me and only thoughts that come to my mind are, I should not be here. Wow. She goes on to say, does this mean that I will never be able to attend a church in peace again? And she goes on to say, I have longed for fellowship with other believers to pray with and to share God's words with. God's word with, sorry. Um, Isn't that a sad commentary on her experience in church? Does that happen to Christians? Yes, it does. That's a sad commentary. And I hope that's not how you feel as you come to our church. And, you know, and it's a lesson for all of us to remember that all the words we use can and do hurt others. Remember the old saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but what? Names will never hurt me. Well, words hurt, don't they? They do hurt. Now, how many of us, how many of us have ever been hurt? And it's your hands. Huh. Well, that's pretty much unanimous, isn't it? You know, hurt starts with our feelings being broken. And then it usually turns to blame and anger, doesn't it? I think it does. You know, um, doesn't it feel bad to be hurt? Sure it does, you know. Uh, how long does it last? 
Well, that kind of depends. That's how we respond to it, frankly. When someone hurts us, we're broken. We become a victim, don't we? I think so. Growing up in a dysfunctional home with five siblings, there was a lot of hurt. But there was always plenty to eat. And how I know that is because every time I asked my dad for seconds, he said, you've had plenty. You'll get that in a minute. But in our home, we weren't allowed to express our hurt feelings. So we buried them down deep. And eventually the bond we had as brothers and sisters became a bond of anger toward our father. Isn't that interesting? Because of the hurt. Wow. Maybe some of you have experienced that. Um, Was that healthy for us? No, it's not healthy. Not healthy at all. Absolutely not. And this leads me to the question, how should we handle the pain of being hurt? How should we handle that? We, you have already shared with me, everybody agrees almost unanimously, you've all been hurt. So how do we deal with it? How do we handle it? We're going to talk about that today. So I propose how we handle that is by is it Forgiveness. The title of today's message is The Power of Forgiveness. You see, folks, forgiveness is the only way we can heal. The only way we can heal. You know, how many of us forgive our enemies? Just curious. Huh. Interesting. All right, I'm going to ask you again. Now be Judgment Day honest. (laughs) How many of us truly forgive our enemies? You see, the percentage changes. It changes when that happens. That reminds me of once upon a time when a preacher stood before his congregation and, his, and, he, and he asked the same question. He says, how many of us were given our enemies? And he got a show of hands. The preacher then repeated the question. And all but one, little Mrs. Jones, she, she didn't raise her hand. So the preacher said to her, Mrs. Jones, he says, you're not willing to forgive your enemies? I don't have any, she responded. Wow, he said. You know, he said. He said, "Would you please come down front? We got to know, right? We got to know how you don't have any, any enemies. Does anybody in here not have any enemies? <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? So Mrs. Jones, she came down. She was an elderly lady, and he said, "Ma'am, he said, would you mind sharing with us? I know we're not supposed to ask, but how old are you?" And she proudly said, "I'm 93." He said, "That's that's impressive." He says, uh, "Well, tell us." He said. Uh, you know, how in the world do you not have any enemies? So he went cheeking down, and she grabbed that microphone out of his hand, and she just proudly just stood up there and said with all of her might, she said, because I've outlived them all. <laughs> well, so I guess the lesson is outlive your enemies, I guess. I don't know. But I, I've asked you a question. Is that God's plan? No, that's not God's plan at all. You know, is, is it the best plan? No. Um, anyways, well, the thing about it is, if I can, um, hurt, as I mentioned earlier, leads to anger most times. It really does. There's a whole process. If you look at that whole process, there is. But it leads to anger. You know, I learned that when hurt feelings are driven down into our hearts, they grow the roots of af- uh, anger. And after becoming a Christian, I remember having another blame dad family get-together day, because that's what ended up becoming, with my siblings. And I realized we were continuing to be victims of the pain and the hurt of our childhood. Think about that a minute. We continue to be victims of that, okay? Therefore, ended up, we had a family meeting with dad to tell him how we felt. But hey, let's get out in the open. Let's put it right out there in front. So we did that. 
And it was at that point that God revealed to me that I needed to forgive him. I needed to forgive him for all that he had done, all the pain that had come to my life as a result of that. And, and folks, the old saying is so true. If you don't forgive, you become a victim over and over and over again. You really do. And let me share with you something. Past hurts keep hurting when you keep the hurt alive. What am I saying? If you keep talking about it over and over again, it becomes it stays with you and it keeps on hurting. You know, forgiving my father was one of the best decisions of my life, frankly. Uh, because you know why? I stopped being a victim and I became a victor. Big difference, folks. Big difference. If you have hard feelings against someone, you need to get that out because you're, you're continuing to be a victim of that. And it's a sad thing. Well, since we're talking about forgiveness, I want to talk about what forgiveness is not. And there's a good picture, by the way, of someone who's been that angry before. Um, but we've all heard the saying, forgive and forget, right? We've always heard that saying. Once upon a time in marriage between Saul and Ethel Rosenberg, Saul did something really stupid. Does God do stupid things, ladies? There's all these nods, you know. But anyways, well, so Ethel, she chewed him out for it, and he apologized, and they made up. And But however, from time to time, Ethel would mention that what old Saul had done. And honey, he said, Saul finally said one day, honey, he says, why do you keep bringing that up? You know, he said, uh, I thought your policy was for, to forgive and forget. She said it is, Ethel, you know, she said that, she said, but I just don't want you to forget that I have forgiven and forgotten. Sometimes, you know, think about that for a minute. But anyways, but that's not how forgiveness is supposed to work, is it? It's not how it's supposed to work. You know, I compare, and pardon my crudeness, but I'm an old farm boy, so sometimes that comes out. But I compare not forgiving to how a cow regurgitates its food and chews it over and over again and swallows it over and over again. Each time it does that, that taste becomes worse, doesn't it? Not that I'd do that, but I mean... <laughs> Just clarification. But sometimes we do. Let's, let's be candid about it. It's similar to us throwing up in our mouth and swallowing it, isn't it? It tastes terrible, okay? That's what happens when you don't forgive. Each time you bring it up, it tastes worse and worse. Each time. That's kind of a visual you didn't want, didn't it? But anyways. But I, my question is, is forgiveness biblical? Is it Biblical. Absolutely is. Our theme verse is about forgiveness. You know, in Ephesians 4.32, we see here, And be kind one to another, tenderhearted. What? Forgiving one another. Wow. Okay. Even, listen where God points to, even as God in Christ, what? Forgave you. Say, hey, it's not about the other person. It's about who? About God. He forgave us. We need to be forgiving one another. We must forgive as he has forgiven us. Now, how does God forgive us sinners? Through his grace. We know that. Okay. Matter of fact, we even use the word grace and make an acronym out of it, don't we? And say forgiveness is God's riches at Christ's expense. Don't we do that? And that's a very true statement. He forgave us through Jesus' sacrifice. Shouldn't we use his example to forgive others? Sure we should. Sure we should. Um, just as he saved us from his wrath. So shouldn't we save other people from our wrath, even though they've hurt us and has turned to anger by doing what Jesus did? Forgive them so that they won't, re- they won't receive our wrath. 
Anybody ever got mad at someone because they hurt them and they yelled at them? That ever happened? That's your wrath, isn't it, coming out? You've got to save those people from your wrath. But, you know, we should do that. We should absolutely forgive like Jesus uh Forgive us, God did through Jesus, I should say. But God doesn't just stop there. He doesn't, he doesn't say that's, that's good enough. He says in the Gospel of Matthew, But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, that's getting pretty strong. You say, well, I don't have to forgive them. Do you want forgiven? That's the question that comes out, you know. So we need to forgive. So what is, if we look at the definition of forgiveness... You know, I would say that, and this is an interesting point, thinking about this, the definition of forgiveness is the act of forgiving. And do we notice the word give is part of forgiveness? The word give is in forgiveness, isn't it? So when we look at that, that means we have to give someone something, you know, to forgive them. We have to give someone a gift by waiving their penalty and give ourselves, because it's a dual thing, we have to waive our penalty for them and give ourselves a grudge-free life. So it's both in the same time. Forgiveness is letting go and freeing ourselves from our pain. It heals our fracture. Forgiveness is declaring that we will no longer remain locked you know, in the past as a victim of that circumstance. That we will no longer continue in our negative life patterns through blame and anger. It's the first necessary step to move on to grow a healthy and positive life. We can't move on, folks, without letting go. We can't move on. We'll be stuck there. Forgiveness literally gives us a freeing power. Literally gives us a freeing power. You know, I used the God example applied to my dad, and it freed me from continuing to be a victim. Folks, if it worked for me, it'll work for you. It will work for you. But, you know, when we talk about forgiveness, there's a lot of different people we're talking about, Okay. One of those folks is us. Do we have guilt that we don't want to forgive ourselves? There's something we've done that we don't want to forgive. We, we, we're so guilt-ridden about it, we don't want to forgive ourselves. Now, how many of us have done things we're ashamed of? Anybody out there? Sure. Glad to see you're being honest going into 2018. <laughs> you know, it's unanimous. We all fail and make mistakes. All of us do that, okay? And we sin a lot, frankly. Let's be candid. We're, you know, all of us do. And you may be like the guy who never, he said, I've never invented a sin. I'm just busy trying to perfect several of them right now. You know, we may be sinning right now and can't forgive ourselves and think God won't forgive us either. Folks were wrong in that, you know. Um, You know, I had a friend who got divorced and he never forgave himself, frankly. He said it was his failure in life. His failure in life. And he believed until a day he died that God wouldn't forgive him. Believed that. With everything in him. Was that true? No, it's not true. God is bigger than that. We just you limit God when you say things like that. God's bigger than that. And I wish I could have shared with him first John three twenty that says, For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart. Right there's your message, folks. This proves that was not true. And he knoweth all things. He knows our guilt. So God's bigger than that. Now if you've been divorced or are living with the guilt don't limit God. Don't limit His mercy because He has plenty for all of us. And you may feel you're not good enough. You know, I had a guy say to me one time, once I clean, once he says, I'm not right right now with God, he said, but one of these days, he says, I'm going to get my act cleaned up. He said, I'm going to be the greatest Christian ever. And I looked at him and I said, You'll never do it. He 
kind of got offended by that. Now, with making a point, you see, it's not about us getting cleaned up for God. It's, it's really not about that, okay? It's about us, you know, reaching out to God and asking for forgiveness. You know, and, he, and frankly, God takes us where we're at. He takes us where we're at, you know. Um, his first priority is to get our, our souls saved to heaven for eternity. That's his first priority. Getting washed up gets taken later. Uh, and God knows our spiritual status with him. He, he knows that, okay? And think about this. When we are rushed to a hospital with an accident, what's the first concern at that hospital? We have some nurses in the, in, in the congregation today. What's the first thing they do? About saving your life, aren't they? They're about, all about saving your life. They'll worry later about getting you washed and cleaned and all those things. That same principle applies to God. He wants to get us saved first. He'll take care of the washing later. It's not a big deal for him later, okay? And God will create a heart that wants that. God is bigger than our guilt, folks. God forgives. And if he will forgive us, then we also need to forgive ourselves. You see? Sometimes we don't forgive ourselves. We need to do that. Who else? When we talk about forgiveness, we're talking about here. Okay? What about forgiveness from others? Forgiving the hurt from others. About 25 years ago, I, had, I heard a friend's feelings. I didn't even know it, frankly. And I didn't realize it until 20 years ago. He came to me five years after I heard his feelings. And he said, Dave, I want to talk to you a minute. I said, that's fine. You know, sit down. So I want to tell you something. I said, sure, what's up? He said, I want you to know that I forgive you. I was blown away. I said, I'm sorry. I said, you're going to have to tell me how I hurt you because I don't even know. You know? And he told me what happened. It was just something I responded to a question he had and it offended him. I didn't even know it at the time. But, you know, the great thing about that was it gave me the opportunity to apologize to him. I wouldn't, didn't even know it. That's a, that's a big deal, you know. And I, and I did. I res- immediately I responded. I, I apologized for it. I didn't mean anything by it. Uh, I had m- something else on my mind, which was true. And, uh, but I, it took his forgiving me. Think about this a minute. It took his forgiving me to allow me to the opportunity to apologize. Right? You know? Wow, that's powerful. That's powerful. powerful. You know, there, there's also no lesson here with this we say uh, with benefits if we will my friend forgiving me uh, set him free and me free from the past didn't it it allowed us to be set free from that it's a freeing effect it's powerful and for us to grow our friendship and we're very close today see folks it broke him free from limiting his beliefs and his attitude because he had an attitude at that point uh, it, it freed him from the mental and emotional energy that he put into that for five years. That's a lot of hurt for five years, isn't it? Sure it is. And he was using a lot of energy towards his anger, toward me, you know, and it, it, it freed him from that so he could have a better life also. Folks, do we hold on to bad feelings about those who have hurt us? Do we do that? Sure we do. I have to tell you, it's wasted energy. It's wasted energy is what it is. It really doesn't matter if they ask for forgiveness or not, frankly. It's about our health at that point. It becomes about our health. Is there someone you need to set free to forgive them? The, is that overhead says wipe their, their slate clean in your eyes? Or do you need to be set free as well? I ask that question. So we talked about forgiveness of ourselves.
forgiveness from others, who else? What about forgiveness of others? Someone once said, sometimes the first step to forgiveness is understanding the other person is a complete idiot. Think about that a minute. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, really, some people are just obnoxious. Mean-spirited, apathetic, unreliable. You know, it's just a fact. I mean, it's just the way it is. I don't know how to say it. We can't make them change, can we? No, we just we can't do that. My father-in-law jokingly used to say, they're not as perfect as us, but they could try harder, you know. Some say if they ask for forgiveness, I will forgive them. If they ask for forgiveness. That's the big word, isn't it, right there in that situation, Okay. But I won't forget. All right? I won't forget. Huh. Is that right? No. Nah. It's really not about them, folks, at that point. It's about us, about our health. We need to change the way we respond to those um, who have hurt us and quit expecting them to change for us. Paul was under house arrest and facing death when he wrote this epistle. You know? He, what I just read in the 31st and 32nd verses here. We see that he's literally facing death. And you see, he says to us in these verses, be kind and forgive others. And then he points to Jesus, as Jesus forgave you. Wow. Wow. You see, notice Paul referred to how Jesus forgave us, not how we forgive each other. He used Jesus as a standard. And folks, he didn't talk about revenge either. Just saying, the side note. Okay. Tom, Thomas A. Kempis said once, Be assured that if we knew all, we would forgive all. You see, we really don't know what's going on, do we? If we knew more, we'd probably forgive all. If we knew all about ourselves, we may be more willing to forgive others too, wouldn't we? I would think so. And I suggest we look at what God has to say about it. And Mark, he tells in the Gospel of Mark, he says, And when you stand praying, stand praying, forgive. Forgive. If you have ought against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. He ties them together, folks. If we don't forgive, we can't expect to be forgiven. I'm, I'm here to tell you today, there will come a day you'll stand before Christ. And that will be an answer you will have to answer. Did you forgive others? Because I, I told you. I, I give you the warning. right? I wrote up my word for you. Did you listen? Did you obey it? If you didn't, you have an answer for that, folks. It's a dangerous position to be in, and I caution you strongly. Forgive others. It's very, very important that you do that. Because we have not forgiven others. Our, another part of that is our energy in, in, uh, is, is trapped in resentment and anger and pain and suffering of some, some kind. And this trapped energy limits us, folks. It doesn't let us move and grow forward, as I mentioned earlier, about uh, a positive life. It's like... How many of you ever rode a bicycle? Anybody? You? I'll just check and see if you're still awake. But anyways, if, <laughs> if you ride a bicycle, okay, and you have the brake on all the time, you have the handle brakes now, okay, how hard is it to pedal? It's the same way not giving forgiveness. You're fighting against that because you know what happens? When you do that, it's, first, it slows us down. Secondly, doesn't it frustrate us? The brakes are sticking? Sure it does. Thirdly, that tire gets heated up. Don't we get heated up, get fired up? Sure we do. All these things come as a result of that, and then it makes it difficult or, if not impossible, to move forward. 
So therefore, we need to let off the brakes. We need to forgive others in that situation so that we can do that. Notice, folks, if when we refuse to forgive others, we are refusing to give others what God has given us. Wow. Wow. That's, I think that's very important. And what he's, he's given us is the grace of the cross. Are we giving others grace who have hurt us? Hmm. Folks, when we refuse to give, forgive ourselves, we only hurt ourselves over and over. We're a victim to ourselves. Our best example in knowing how to forgive others is Jesus' response as he was hanging on the cross after he was just being beaten within an inch of his life and dying. Frankly, he was dying. And what was his words? His words were, forgive them. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. Some people, folks, when they hurt us, they don't even know they've done it. Like I, I shared with you a moment ago. You know? So we hold on to something they may not even know they've done to us. Wow. Wow. Paul clarified Jesus' meaning to this in 1 Corinthians. He said, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. You see, God took the high road for us, didn't he? He took the high road. Are we taking the high road for others, for ourselves and others? I hope we are. Now, we repeat Jesus' model prayer growing up with the words, and some of we say, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, or forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. And then Jesus goes on to warn us. He says, but if you forgive not, men their trespasses or their sins, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. He comes back again. He's very consistent all the way through with what he's telling us here. Um, God is saying we must, you know, must forgive others or we will stand before him one day without our sins being forgiven. You know, I don't know about you, but I have way too many sins not to forgive others. Amen? Well, let's talk about maybe some steps to help us forgive others and ourselves for that matter. Okay? Um, some steps, simple things that may, may help us. The first thing is we should, the fact that Forgiveness takes effort. It takes work. It takes work. Okay? I think maybe... Uh, forgiveness takes work. When we hurt, keep hurt alive, it keeps on hurting. You know, it takes effort for us, for us to forgive others. Now, we can do that in many ways. By praying, we'll talk about that a little bit, for God's help. By studying God's Word and see what He has to say about forgiveness. And even... Listen to this. Even go to that person who's hurt us and ask for forgiveness or offer them forgiveness in the case, whatever case that, that may be. But when we keep hurt alive, it keeps hurting. We've all been hurt. We mentioned that earlier. But we, uh, the most important thing is we need to do is to get over that pain is to have a stronger prayer life with God. You've got to have a stronger prayer life. That's the key to that. Spending time in God in prayer gives us the strength to take back control of our life rather than being a victim to it. It's the first thing. So it takes work. The second thing, steps to forgiveness, is we need to practice daily forgiveness. Not holding it up, not storing it up daily. You know, As we reflect back on each day, maybe we've hurt uh, someone or we've angered someone, we've become angry from someone who said something unkind or treated us unfairly. Maybe someone just takes, 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 and takes and never gives back. Maybe someone betrayed our trust. 
Maybe someone broke a promise. Maybe we got mad at someone unfairly and regret our feelings and actions. Maybe yelled at them or something. Maybe we need to forgive ourselves and let go of the pain. Folks, practicing daily forgiveness strengthens us and adds to the peace on earth that God wants us to have. You know, Gandhi wisely said, only the strong can forgive. That's an interesting statement. The Amish who don't live too far away from us here, they, 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 they believe God smiles on acts of grace that opens doors for reconciliation. Isn't that what forgiveness is about, reconciling? It is with God. He wants to reconcile with us. So we see that. Forgiveness is about our attitude, not their action. It's about our attitude. Each day as we start, remember the old as kids we used to sing, say this, uh, this uh, prayer, now I lay me down to sleep. Remember that? Sure. Uh, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. But if I should die before I awake, I pray to God I may forgive so and so. Name names. Right? It's personal. God already knows anyways. So we need to do that. Practice it, this not only at night, but as soon as it happens. As soon as something happens, go to God in prayer immediately. That's a good lesson. Instead of holding it up and storing it all the rest of the day, get it out. Talk about it. You know, God tells us we should pray with what? Without ceasing. That's throughout the day, as we're talking about. So we need to do that. We need to practice that daily forgiveness. The third thing we can do in the steps to help in that is to change our negative self-talk. Self-talk. You know, uh, in verse, it goes back to verse 31, about evil speaking, be put away from you. You can find your own slogan, you know, to promote forgiveness. Saw one that says, I have peace of mind only when I forgive rather than judge. What's the first thing we want to do when we have some, get our hurts, feelings hurt? We want to judge that person. So I don't know. You can pick any, any one you want. And by the way, folks, we need to quit complaining about your problems to others because 90% of the people don't care and the other 10% are glad you have them. You know, think about that for a minute. But we need to talk you know, to ourselves about our negativity, about our negativity, and don't let it fester, blow up. Drive those thoughts out by replacing them with positive thoughts, positive memory verses. God says that we should, you know, study God's Word to, to be approved, and, and we need to have memory verses in our heart. When things come, God puts that, the Spirit puts that back in our heart. For example, ones in Colossians, Paul says, clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. It's a good verse of scripture here, a couple of verses here. Replace them, uh, you know, negative self-talk with those thoughts. And that will help us to overcome the hurt and the pain and the anger and all those things. What else can we do? Well, fourth thing we can do is remember we're not perfect. Right? Unless, does anybody want to say they're perfect this morning? I don't know if anybody it is. You know, and they killed the guy who was. Yes, just look at it that way. But uh, have you ever made a mistake driving a car or riding a bicycle? Sure we have, okay? And I, I had a guy tell me 37 years ago, he says, remember where you came from and you will never forget where you are. That's a pretty good lesson when you think about it. When I see someone you know, doing something really stupid driving, my first thought is, you know, I probably did that exactly the same thing. <laughs> and when I think of it that way, I think, you know what? It's okay. It's okay, right? I've been there, done that. I might even perfect that one. Who knows, you know? 
but we got to do that, and that that'll put a smile on her face, you know, and kind of not be so angry. And, I, and to quote Upper Winfrey, I can't believe I'm doing that. But anyways, he said, she said, true forgiveness is when you can say thank you for that experience. Well, that's a pretty good thing, really, when you think about that. You know, when somebody hurts us, thank you for that experience. Wow. Uh, also, when we remember God doesn't only forgive, he forgets. That's one of the struggles we have, too. And we read in Hebrews, the author says, And their sins and iniquities, iniquities will I remember when? No more. No more. That should help us forgiving others. You know, we should forget it. Let it go. Let it go. And finally, practice the saying, I'm sorry. Now, sometimes that's hard to say. We have to say, I'm sorry. Right? It's hard to get out, isn't it, sometimes? We need to practice that so we get in good practice. When it comes, it's easy to flow out of our mouth. You know what I mean? So we need to uh, get off our high horse, if you will, humble ourselves, and quickly apologize. That guy told me just the other day, he said he's, he's uh, divorced. He said, you know, my wife never, ever said she was sorry. Not one time. She refused to do that. We need to practice that. It's not a girl thing. It's a guy-girl thing, but right? it's a people thing. So we need to practice those things. And the fifth thing we can do is to forgive when it's not easy. Is forgiveness easy? No, it's not easy. You know, someone said, it's my plan to forgive and forget. That is to forgive how stupid I was and forget you. Now, is that really what God wants us to do? I don't think so. That's not biblical. God tells us to forgive unconditionally. Unconditionally, we see in the Gospel of Luke, he says, Take heed to yourselves that thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And if any trespass, and if he trespasses against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turns again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Folks, part of forgiving is to talk to those folks and tell them they've hurt us. If they repent, we have the responsibility and the duty and the accountability to forgive them. Wow. Wow. That doesn't mean talk to everybody else about someone's hurt you. We tend to do that, don't we? Go to go to our spouse, go to our neighbor, go to our friends, and tell them. No, that's not that's not God's plan. He says go to them directly, individually, and talk to them about how you've been hurt and how you've been wronged. And uh, that leads me to the next question because I know you're thinking that right now. What if they don't admit they're wrong? What if they don't ask for forgiveness? What do we do then? Right? That's what people say. I've heard that feedback a lot of times. You know, well, I I take a little different perspective on that and studying this isn't that just us justifying holding on to our hurt feelings and our bitterness you say, well they didn't ask for forgiveness I'm not forgiving them that's just us holding on to it. it gives us a right to do that no that's not how that works folks we need to refuse to allow their pride or arrogance to prevent us from being freed from the pain they've given us we need to do that for ourselves. It gets back to, we need to take care of ourselves in this situation. The better question would be, how can I respond to the matchless and limitless forgiveness I have received from God? You see, change the focus. It's not about us. It's about what God's done for us. We need to do that for others. It's not easy to forgive. I'm not standing here like it's something easy, because it's not. But we always have to have a heart ready to forgive at all times. The same as God has forgiven you and me. Well, what about forgiveness of God? You know, how we, what's, how's God 
talk about forgiveness. Well, I haven't brought this from whom. I love this thing. This is how you forgive. Cross. If you look at this, cross is a pretty neat cross. There's a lot of sayings in it. Right at the top it says grace. We talked about that earlier. That's how he forgave us. Through the cross he forgave us. We see God the friend that loves us at all times. We should love others at all times. Faith. We see you know, the Lord hears our prayers. So many things he talks about in this, in this, this one you know, uh, cross of how we should forgive. But God has done that through the cross. Um, God's all about forgiveness, frankly, for unbelievers as well as believers. And how can I say that? Because God clearly says it is his will that all will be saved. If it's his will that all will be saved, it's his desire okay, that all will be saved. It's if it's his hope, his plan, that all might be saved from his wrath for unbelief, that he wants to forgive, doesn't he? You know, we get into that question that about someone died, we weren't sure if they're a Christian or not, so like that. But God's will is for all to be saved. Not, they're not going to be all saved, but His will is for that to happen. God's single plan to restore fellowship is to restore fellowship with mankind comes plainly through the cross that I just showed you, because Jesus was perfect, righteous, um, and selfless in His sacrifice uh, as He as He died on a cross and was resurrected from the grave. Matter of fact. We see in Micah, the Old Testament says, Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again, and he will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities, and thou will cast out all their sins into the depth of the sea. That last part is pretty interesting to me. Depth of the sea. You realize some of you guys... Know about this stuff? I didn't know about this. There's a place called the Challenger Deep in the ocean. You know about that? It's 6.8 miles deep. That's pretty deep, isn't it? And what's God taking to do with our sins? Cast them to the deep of the sea. Okay. Now let's put that in terms we can understand. When we ask Jesus to come into our heart as Lord and Savior, it removes God's wrath towards us and literally buries all of our sins as deep as it is from here to the old Union High in Benwood. That's 6.8 miles away from here is what it is. It's a long ways away, isn't it? It's a good thing. God removes his wrath and buries it there. Okay? Buries it there. The psalmist said it even better. And he said, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. That's pretty good stuff. Folks, I suggest that we do the same with our forgiveness from others. As far as the east is from the west, let go of them. And then the last point I'll make is that the cross takes our sin away. If you can see that picture, it's a pretty good picture of what's happening there. You know, he takes our sin away. In 1 John 1 9, we read, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, I want to share a story about one night. Johnny was driving his car and he slowed down to cross river tracks and his car stalled out right on the middle of the tracks wow all of a sudden he saw this large single light coming his way that's when he said I've seen the light you'll get that in a minute but anyways but the light was followed by the sound of the train's whistle blowing Johnny has to make a decision doesn't he he can continue to turn that key to the ignition and try to get that car started he can get out and run or he can actually turn the ignition, throw it in neutral, and try to get out and shove his car to save his car. 
But folks, Johnny's already a decision. He's still in that car. He's already in this. He's already made a choice. Him sitting in that car already has him in a decision. And train's getting closer. Okay, closer, and closer to him. And it's blowing the horn. The whistle's louder and louder and louder. While he's Johnny's trying to make a decision, he's in a decision with the train coming. Who's forgiving? It's not forgiving at all. It will kill him. Okay, folks. I have a few questions for you today. If you're here and have not asked Jesus into your heart, you're Johnny. You have some time this morning. You have a little bit of time this morning to make a decision. Will you come forward and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior and accept His forgiveness we've been talking about today? You realize statistics reveal 50% of all deaths are immediate with no warning. Immediate. No matter your age. It doesn't matter age. It has a bearing on it. Okay, No matter your health. They don't see the train coming. They don't. Over 50% of all deaths. God says, today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. You know, My friends, death's train is coming to all of us. You don't know when. I don't know when. We don't know how fast it's going to be, how long it's going to linger. But we know it's going to come. Make the right choice, folks. If you're an unbeliever today, make the right choice and come forward. Ask Jesus in your heart and start. Then end the new year in 2017 on asking Jesus in your heart and beginning a great new year in 2017. 18. The next question is for my fellow Christians here today. Have you backslidden and lost your way a little bit? Is the Holy Spirit convicting you? I mentioned earlier in a prayer that God says, We're two or three are gathered in my name, there will I be also. So God's here. Holy Spirit's here. He's working this morning. Is the Holy Spirit convicting you as a Christian? You've backslidden. Has someone hurt you that you need to forgive? Or have you hurt someone that you need to apologize? I encourage you to follow the Holy Spirit's conviction. Come to to the altar. This is, the altar is always open today. Come to God's altar and rededicate yourself to His work and seek those out who've caused you pain. Either way, there's no better way to begin 2018 than to experience God's forgiveness. Right? No better way. Whether you receive it or give it to others. Free yourself. Free yourself and others so that we all as a church may move forward in growing a united church for God's service. Reverend Price and I will be here this morning to talk to you either way. You come as I ask June to come and play the morning invitation.